Welcome to On the Rec Yard, women's prison podcast, where we are live on the Rec Yard every Wednesday night. Looky there, we did it's it. so great. I'm so, it, I'm very pleased with the new intro. I want you to know, I really love the jamming. The jamming I in. love when you're just happy with the way I've done things. <laughs> always a miracle when I do something and you're immediately happy. So uh, that I feel like I should get like a gold star or something, or I should be patting myself on the back because that just rarely happens. You guys, we're so glad to have everybody. We are live on the rec yard because it is Wednesday night. We're here every Wednesday night. My name is Marcy Marie. And I'm Tunchi. Tunchi, here we are. It's Q&A night. Q&A night. It's, it's anything goes. It's, you know, you meet your friend on Wednesday night at rec and you talk about your day and random stuff. Uh, that happens. That happens. Um, yeah. So we're so glad everybody can join us uh, on the rec yard tonight. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm reading these random new um, messages that are coming up in the studio and I don't know what to do with them. And that's for after the show. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? It distracted me. It's talking okay. about our Facebook group. So oh, okay. um, you guys, my mom's on right now on the podcast. <laughs> this is her and this, her name is not Gerald. She that's <laughs> my dad's name, but she's logged in under my dad. Hi mama. We are taking questions tonight. Tunchi. I'm going to LA tomorrow. I know, aren't you? It's so exciting. I am so excited. And do you know when my parole pass, my travel permit pass, do you know when I got it? Well, I feel like it was maybe just a couple of hours ago. <laughs> it literally was. I was sweating it. I woke up like at 4.30 this morning and thought, oh my gosh, I don't even have my travel pass yet. Like seriously, uh, going to LA, I have all these big plans and I don't have a way to get there. And, and it's scary. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I got it. And it was a big, huge sigh of relief. <laughs> and so now I was like, wow, this is really happening. We're going. And we have a question. I'm streaming on TikTok also. Uh, and so we have a question. Kim Abbott says, and you're staying with Rosie. <laughs> staying with Rosie. Um, I might have prompted my TikTok community to ask, yeah, ask about it. It's okay, honey. I mean, that's what scripted reality is all about. Yeah. Um, I do want to say hi to Coretta because she says, what's up, Tunchi and Marcy? Uh, I know Coretta isn't able to always join us sometimes because she's super busy advocate, but um, wanted to make sure we shouted her out. So what are you, how are you feeling about this? How? I, yeah, I'm so, I'm staying, I'm only staying with her the first night, one night, because we're actually going for a TikTok collaborator deal that's so um but yeah but she invited us to stay with her and so we're flying in early and yeah that's what's gonna happen I cannot believe it <laughs> well I mean you know Rosie's such a sweetie she always has been and um I, I think it's really I you know I've watched her over the past couple of years you know talk about criminal justice reform and social justice reform so um it's just it's, I don't know, it's really cool to see somebody um, just in, who's so high profile that embraces us without any fear. She doesn't give a damn what people think that she doesn't. I, you know, that's what's so great about her. She doesn't give a damn. So I, when I started my, this deal with, um, yes, Shaquille, it's Rosie O'Donnell. When I started this uh, production deal with her, um, I went to, let's see, I was at the St. Mary's School of Law. So we were doing an event there and I'm going to forget her name because I'm just so terrible about it, but she's with the Innocence Project and she was one of the famous four that got exonerated. Was it Anna? Tunchi. Was, was it Anna? Anna? 
I was, I was on a, um, in a table discussion, I was on a panel with her and I, she said, so I heard you have something going on with Rosie O'Donnell. And I was like, uh, yeah, I actually do. And she pulled her phone out and scrolled through Rosie O'Donnell had hosted an innocence project deal after they got out of prison, they were falsely accused in the early nineties as teenagers. It was when that big, that like devil worshippers scare, you know how kind of we have a transgender scare right now. It mm -hmm. was like that, but it was like everybody's devil worshippers and they're trying to take over the world. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so that was, that happened. Golly. Yeah. I, and you know, that's a, we should have already brought up when we were talking about, infamous and famous incidents in Texas, we should have brought up the, the, the San Antonio four because it was, they were young and they were lesbians and they were all hanging out and they got accused of witchcraft and uh, harm to children. And it was pretty fantastical. And these women got some major time uh, and we know several of them and uh, they got exonerated and got paid for it, which is almost unheard in Texas because there's, there wasn't a DNA, uh, as far as I know, the evidence claim, right? They were just, it was so egregious. They were like, y'all need to be compensated for the years that you were um, there. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up. And that's what, that's exactly what happened uh, is it was a ridiculous charge and it was a witch hunt and they were arrested and spent a decade in prison and they should have been confiscated, compensated. <laughs> they were innocent. Yeah. And so Anna is like big time in the organization, the Innocence Project. And that's that's how. So it was really cool to see that connection. It was just like, man, if I thought I loved Rosie before, I really love her now after seeing her work there. So my honey is on. And I she, just saw that. I was like, look at Brittany. Yeah, she's never on. My girlfriend, Brittany, has some questions and I might have prompted her. <laughs> <laughs> Hey. I didn't know what she was going to ask, though, but I did say, babe, we're doing a Q&A tonight and I need some questions seriously. And so um, and I see a, some questions on TikTok regarding Elizabeth Holmes. So I want to get that get to that also. But um, Brittany, my my honey, who's going to L.A. with me tomorrow, she says, when y'all were actually on the prison yard, did you think you would be doing this now as in all of this advocacy work? Tunchi, you go first. Oh, well, I, I'm going to tell you that the first 10 years, no, um, I, I didn't. It was a whole nother experience. But the second 10 years uh, as an adult, um, you know, I saw the world very differently then. And it, yes, the short answer is yes. I did have my girl drama on the rec yard and lots of it, but uh, Diane, who is also with our um, advocacy group with Linus, um, she did 20 years, Alexa. We all did. We all walked that rec yard talking about our plans for the future and the things that we wanted to do for the women we left behind. So it was mapping out years of getting to where uh, I am now, where we all are. So I'm going to say yes. Well, I will say absolutely not. <laughs> I didn't even know it was happening out here. When yeah. I was in there, I felt like nobody cared, honestly. I mean, I thought my mama cared and my dad cared. Do you know what I mean? I didn't think that there were these organizations that were fighting to improve conditions for us in there. And I remember one visit, my mom will tell this story, that one time she came to visit and she said, um, Marcy, what are you going to do when you come home? And I told her, I don't know, mom, but I have to do something to help these ladies. And in my mind, that something was keep in contact with mail or try to start maybe a fundraiser to send hygienes in. Or, you know, there, there was another lady, Hannah Overton. In my mind, I thought maybe I would get with Hannah Overton's mm -hmm. cause and help her. Like, these are the things. I never in my wildest dreams did I believe believe that I would be at the Capitol in front of lawmakers. Um, yeah, that that never happened. I have a question and she's asked it several times. So she <laughs> she's persistent. Let's get it. And I think it was C to saddle. 
She says, how do you think Elizabeth Holmes is adjusting to prison life? And do we think that her prison in Bryan is less aggressive than maybe where we were? Well, I think that she's adjusting. That's what you do. Your first couple of weeks, your first couple of months, you're still getting your bearings. You're learning a new culture. Uh, that, I mean, that's exactly what it is. She will be fine. She, Surely we've recognized that Elizabeth is a savvy, cunning woman, right? For better or for worse. Um, she's smart and she's brilliant and she will find her niche there in that community. She will. Um uh, you know, that particular federal pen, the feds, it, you know, there are some federal units that are terrible, especially in Texas. Um, the which the one in for women in the Fort Worth area up there in North Texas is it's it, it, it COVID tore through that in ways that were just uh, atrocious. But um, I think Texas state prisons, their conditions are honey, they're barbaric. <laughs> they're just barbaric. Um, but in terms of, you know, the environment and the women and the culture, it's, it's the same. It's the absolute same. It's just the nature of the, the, the buildings and maybe the Texas element of harsh on justice, which, you know, could bleed into there too. What do you think? Well, I think for sure it's a less aggressive prison. It's, uh, nicer conditions and she I, I think she'll have it easier in that aspect maybe than Tunchi and I had it doing our time in a Texas state prison how do I think she's doing like right now I think she's probably under her covers crying a lot because that's what people that first get incarcerated do like the reality of their actions comes crashing down on you and um you know, I think that that's probably how what's going on now. Like she's trying to cope with that. But just like Tunch said, she's going to jump right in there. Uh, it, she's going to find herself some friends. She's going to do just fine. She's going to make it out just fine. Um, Denise Cherry, which this is Denise did a lot of time in a tech. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my girls right here. I just adore her. She's pretty still pretty fresh out mm -hmm. she's asking um did we think that being so involved with advocacy work for prison that we would have to give up some of our private life mm, my goodness cherry coming in with the heat yeah. <laughs> coming in that's a great question yeah. um and and i recently really had to confront that and marcy and Lori uh really know this is that when i um was helping put together, finish the five, which is a campaign to close the last five remaining youth prisons in Texas. Um, I, I do, <laughs> I'm intricately a part of that because I was once in the Texas Youth Commission and suffered a lot of horrendous abuse in there. And so as we're working on this, right, and, and I'm saying, you know, the very kids that legislators and, um, you know, other people say are not redeemable that because they've done something violent, that's a lie. That is an absolute lie. And they say, why? And I say, well, cause I was one of those kids and they're like, what did you do? And it's like, now I'm at a crossroads because the first time in four years I had to decide what was I going to do? Um, because Marcy knows and all my friends know that, that especially my childhood offense is very deeply personal. Um, and I try to respect, uh, the victims in all my charges, uh, you know, but some of my personal stuff, this is the risk I'm taking and this is the deal. So, it, you know, I had to make a choice and, and I was open about it. Do I, do I get on my lives and, and my social media and my little TikToks and, and do that? No, but Yes, absolutely. You are so any public figure and anybody that's doing any advocacy work, you have to know that being and Marcy told me one time, too, I was like, girl, my Insta, she's like, I can't tag you. I said, well, my Instagram is private. She said, girl, you're a public figure. You better take that off. And I was like, damn, she's right. You know what I mean? So there is a, a, a choice that you have to make because your life does become an open book. It does. And Denise has interest in, in going to, into youth facilities and sharing her story, which would be phenomenal because she was a baby 
when she got charged with her crime and incarcerated and she could she could change lives you you have that in you i did time with you i've been around you you are a leader you are positive uh, i mean i think that that would be i'm i encourage it all the way absolutely for sure um Shaquille Oatmeal's coming in with a good question. Golly, now you asked for questions and I thought we were going to get, you know, what kind of music did you listen to on the inside? Now people are asking. <laughs> They're coming in hard, right? Like I'm going to call you on your, sh uh, um, in and a good way. Asked me about my charge and I'll get to that. I'll, I'll answer that one next, but let's talk about this. Shaquille's asking, how do we feel about the death penalty? Well, Marcy, how do, how do you feel about it? I'm against it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely against it. And we both um, also do some work at an organization that I will take an opportunity to shout out. It's called the Texas After Violence Project. Um, it is a archive, a community-based archive that collects stories of um, state-sanctioned violence because that's what we call the death penalty. It is state-sanctioned violence and it doesn't heal communities and it doesn't heal victims um, and it just creates more trauma. You know, but I, Marcy, I remember even as a kid, like I don't understand how killing somebody is going to teach somebody that killing is wrong. How does that happen? And, and you know, it just, it's not a deterrent either, right? Because if it was a deterrent, we would have already seen that it worked and it, it doesn't. I remember being a small child and one of my second or third cousins or like my dad's cousins, they had a son and we were in the pool and of their son cussed. And I remember he, his dad heard him, which is like our kind of our couple removed cousins. I don't really know how that works, but he came and snatched that kid up and whooped him and was like, don't you ever effing say that S-H-I-T. And I just, I remember being like seven going, well, what, <laughs> you know, and I feel like that's the same thing. And, and then violence begets violence begets violence. It has to stop somewhere. So the people in prison and frankly, probably the people that are on death row have experienced some kind of violence in their life and that led them down a road that made some kind of violent act happen. And now we're just going to put another violent act on it. No, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's right. So yeah, definitely against it. TikTok has a question asking about my charge. Um, I share it often. It's always the pinned video mm -hmm. on all my platforms. So you guys can definitely listen to that. It's the one of the first videos I recorded. Um, so my charge is theft over $200,000. I got involved uh, with doing some kind of cooking the books at my place of employment. And I ended up taking that a whole step further and taking money. And uh, yeah, I got a 20 year sentence for it. I did 10, been home a couple years. So yeah. Uh, and then someone else is asking how similar is orange is the new black to reality? Oh, well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I really love that Orange is the New Black brought women's prisons into the, you know, forefront, into popular culture, into people's, you know, started thinking about these things, right? Because we're always so invisible. Um, but <laughs> I will, I always say this, that Orange is the New Black in terms of the relationships and the dynamics and the intrigue and the, she's going to cross me out and stab me in the back. Like, to me, that was spot on in terms of like the more um, conditioned things or uh, and by conditions, I mean them freely being able to do this or have certain things or, you know, and then towards the end when there was the riot and they buried somebody out in the back, you know, that's very soap opery. Um, but in terms of the relationships, I'm going to say yes. And I know there was a super hot scene in the library. I'm going to say that I had my hot scenes in the library, but it was not like that. It was not as free spirited and porn like, but. <laughs> you were getting down. You worked in the library while you were incarcerated and you were getting down. Honey, in the library by getting down. I mean, a quick kiss and a quick little 
bow chicka wow. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> but not a real hot, steamy uh, SEX scene. And I, I want to point this out because I speak to so many, especially men, guys, I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but it just seems to kind of come from your gender more thinking that uh, it's like those kind of scenes in orange and black. And it is far from that. I mean, even in the shower, guys, it's no. not that sexy. Because Honey, who want it? Mean you do sometimes. Filthy, mm. tiny little space, and so that was definitely um, dramatized for uh, views, right? Yeah. Uh, and then someone else on um, TikTok is saying, "Wait, but uh, Orange is the New Black, they had AC." But I'll point out that that was a federal prison that they were right. in. And right. we were talking about Elizabeth Holmes. Guess what? She has air conditioning this summer. Uh, my girls in Texas, um, unless they're just at the Princess. Uh, <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> the Mountain View unit. So I mean, they got to dodge a lot of psych patients with with a lot of aggression. So let them. They've got their own demons to deal with. Hey, I want to tell you, I did see somebody ask, what kind of music do we listen to? I, heard I know you passed it because you don't want to hear it. I was trying to skip over because I didn't feel like talking about Taylor Swift. We have to bring her up every episode. That's what I wanted I mean, to But this is what kind of music does, does Marcy like to listen to, too? What do you like to listen to? Well, when I was in there, you know, we only got three stations. <laughs> so I listened to all three stations, right? Um, there was a, uh, and my daughter teases me, y'all. So I film of the podcast in my daughter's apartment because her Wi-Fi, I'm out in the sticks and my Wi-Fi won't allow it. Right. So when I get here, she always has her Google music on for her cat and she listens to very different music than me. <laughs> and I can't even think of one of the artists, but what I always do is when I leave, I'll, I'll tell Google to play Justin Bieber playlist. <laughs> I do love Justin Bieber. <laughs> You know, guess what? You don't ever get to tease me about Taylor Swift ever again that you've admitted in front of everybody you like Justin Bieber. Okay, I like Justin Bieber, but I'm not obsessed. That's the difference. Honey, I, I you have borderline personality disorder, and I just busted you out in front of everybody, but you told everybody before, so I'm sorry. So you know we get a favorite person, and you know that we get a person we obsess on, right? And that's just what she is. It's just, look, I got a ring the other day. It says anti-hero. Okay. So that's what, that's what Tunchi listens to. And she, that's, that's what she listened to. And Madonna. And she was probably one of those. She was probably so obsessed with Taylor that when somebody else heard it on the radio and Tunchi didn't even have her radio on, they were probably like, Tunch, 97. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, I got to get to it. That's right. Um, so the name of the podcast is On the Rec Yard Women's Prison Podcast. We're live here every Wednesday night at seven o'clock. Thank you guys for joining us. Hi, we Brandon. are <laughs> We're taking your questions tonight. And um, Ashley Hansen's asking, do we watch 60 Days In? I don't, but I know that you y'all were going to be on there at one point. Well, they asked us. Uh, they did. They asked me and my girlfriend, Brittany. And um, it was, I hadn't been home that long. It was last summer. So I hadn't been home a year. And it was enough money that at that time I was working at a, a warehouse in Amazon. And I thought, well, that sounds like a pretty dang good deal to me. And my girlfriend was like, but and here we are like dealing with the producer. And she's like, well, we're not snitching on people that we're locked up with. Like that's, we ain't no snitches, you know? And um, Brittany's like, but I'll tell them the law, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of how we, how we managed it. And she was down for that. But then when it came down to it, y'all, my family, I, I brought it up to my parents and I thought they would be kind of excited and their faces dropped. They were panicky. They were still, it, the trauma from me being gone for 10 years is still so real. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and to answer, do we watch it? I, I don't watch it. I, when that was going on, I watched a couple episodes and I was like, ah, it's like dramatized. It's super like they take all the most 
dramatic moments and cram them together in an episode. Uh, so, but I thought, yeah, I could handle it. Could I handle 60 days in a county jail? Yeah, easily standing on my head, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Tunch, do you, do you want to answer that? Do you, um, they're oh, asking about your charges and you don't, you don't have to go in depth? Well, I, I don't mind. I mean, like I said, I mean, I've, I think over this past legislative session, I've been more open about um, the original one. And, and that was because it was bringing awareness to the youth prison system. And I felt like that was, that was worthy of that. Right. Um, when I was 15, I was in crisis. I was in a mental health crisis. Girl, that BPD was out of control. Um, my mental health disorder um, was bad. And someone ended up um, losing losing their life. So I was committed uh, to the Texas Youth Commission and then transferred to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice. I was given 20 years, did 10. Um, not, you know, usually doesn't happen like that, uh, you know, but I was young, was doing really well, got out, working at a nonprofit. And, you know, symptoms return with stress without treatment. And it returned fiercely. And now the second charge, I don't have a mind. I don't, I really don't mind talking about that. Um, you know, even though I still try to be mindful and respectful of my ex-girlfriend. Um, mm, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, I was coping um, with my mental health with alcohol. And I, Marcy, I'd never drank before. I mean, I was like a 25-year-old, 15-year-old in my head, you know. And so I'm discovering all this stuff. Um, with no guidance and then my, my mental health out of control. And so she was super toxic. It was just terrible. And uh, I got drunk and broke into her house and beat her up. And um, the police came and got me and said, no, we don't do that out here. And, you know, and some of this was not just alcohol, Marcy. It was, that's what prison taught you to do. If your girlfriend does some shysty stuff, if she's being disrespectful or she breaks up with you or whatever, right? You respond with violence. It's expected. It's expected. It's a matter of you're, you're, you're disrespecting me. This isn't about you need space or you need to make decisions for yourself. This is a complete total affront disrespect to me. Like, like you had said, um, like someone's spitting in your face, right. you know, and um, that's how I perceived it. And, you know, you do that through a cloud of alcohol and mental illness. Yeah, I threw myself, I, cl I climbed up on a roof and, and threw myself through her bedroom window. So there's a couple things, right? So there's been studies that have found the age of young people when they get incarcerated and then they do a significant amount of time. There's parts of their brain that don't develop past that age. Yeah. So when, when you get incarcerated as a 15-year-old, and you come home as a 25 or 30 year old, you you're there's part of your brain that still has some growing up to do. Right. So yeah. that happened. And then you experience so much violence during that time in your life, state sanctioned violence, state violence, even not sanctioned. Right. But um, and so all of those factors led into that. And I just want to say to let me just take this opportunity because you are like. Um, the super example of someone that can completely like looking if if you we looked at you on paper, we we might not even believe that that's that that's actually you. You know, if someone looked at you on paper, they might be frightened, quite frankly. Oh, yeah. Not that it's long list, but right. it's just these incidents. And so I, I just think that you're a prime example of one reason why we need to keep pushing for what we're pushing for. Right. Is is for reform and rehabilitation and giving people um, real opportunities. Absolutely. So someone. <laughs> Someone had a question up here and I'm going to try to scroll. I'm sorry. You guys might be seeing my armpit on the podcast. Nice. Very nice. Uh, um, well, I cannot find it and I tried to remember it. I'm sorry. You guys asked me the question again and I'll, and I'll look and I um, am getting, I'll just put this up, up here because they're making fun of me for Justin Bieber. Honey, <laughs> I don't want you to tell anybody else that ever again. I, I just don't. And when my middle school daughters get in the car, 
first of all, I'll tell you this. When I first got home from prison, I was so excited because I liked all these like the Jonas Brothers and like I'm I'm down with them. I love them. And uh, when the girls, so I'm like, I have kids that are this age, you know, they're going to want to like listen to this with me. Oh, no, I was they made such hardcore fun of me. It's not even funny. And when they <laughs> in the car now, they're like they plug up their phone or connect their phone to the Bluetooth right away because they're not about to they are not about to listen to Justin Bieber they're not doing it so um Shaquille's asking if we have ever thought about writing a book geared toward a prison survival like a prison survival group uh book uh you know what I, I I don't I mean I've thought about it maybe just briefly over the years um I, I feel like within our our advocacy group that's just for women. Um, I feel like the women that show up that I know that somebody contacted me and was like, I'm on my way to safe P what do I need to do? Like, I, I feel like women do find us for that kind of advice, but you know, I don't know. What do you think, Marcy? I don't know. It kind of almost seems like a, first of all, I think that it's needed because people do need guidance, but I don't want it to be perceived of like a, a pass, like, go ahead and go ahead and do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense. Uh, that's what I worry about. Like, I, I, how could we do that? But for sure, because in my um, DMs all the time, it, uh, it says, you know, they say, I'm facing this, I'm facing this. What do I need to do? How, what, how do I do? And even if it's six months in county jail, you need guidance, like wear three white t-shirts when you go to court, <laughs> you know, these kind of things people need to know to make their time. So maybe this is something we need to consider. Maybe it can be a on the rec yard uh, project. So <laughs> um, right, yeah. Yeah, guys, we need some more questions. My TikTok community up here, give them, give it to us. Jennifer Max says she works for a nonprofit in Austin that focuses on non-punitive treatment for adolescents with substance abuse disorder, which is phenomenal, right? That's incredible. So thank you for your work for that, Jennifer, for absolutely sure. So <laughs> yeah, Rhonda's, Rhonda's asking about what about a re-entry guide book? How would that, how would that look? Well, you, you know, I think the struggle with re-entry guidebooks and here's, here's the issue, right? Like, I think that you could have the advice about like how to socially reintegrate and the things that you're going to face and, you know, practical advice. But if we're talking about like a guidebook, like where to go, um, go here for food, go here. Like the the problem is that those places change so often. It's like trying to fill a bucket with a hole in it. And so like information is constantly out of date in terms of housing programs, food programs. Um, and it just can feel very overwhelming trying to, to compile that stuff. We need an online database that can be constantly updated or, or some way. So, um, yeah, I, I, it, that is frustrating because even the re-entry resources at re-entry in the prisons, like you jot all these numbers down and these addresses down and then you get home and they're like out of date, wrong number, number, phone numbers out of service. It's um, that fast. And, and, you know, the only thing Marcy I've seen come close to what you said, you know, what we need, right. Is, is the Judicial Commission on Mental Health has a interactive map with all the counties on it and you click on it and it opens up that county and it lists all the stuff that a person would need with mental health issues and maybe who have been touched by the criminal justice system. And that's the only thing that I've seen. And people in every county, there's someone in every county responsible um, for updating that, which there's a lot of counties, right? So sometimes it's really hard to, to find somebody to maintain it, but if we could duplicate that or, or often I just send people to that map because you can still find, I, I at least trust that those resources are up to date. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, but you're right. You we could do it in a different form, right? So that's definitely an, that's definitely an option. I, 
was looking here, they're asking about why you would need to wear several white t-shirts for <laughs> going into county jail. So I had several people ask that. Why why would we need to? Well, change? honey, you need more than you need more than one t-shirt to put on double panties, double socks. Um and they're going to be white, right? So a lot of county jails will let you keep those items. Um, and if you have more than one, and I think it's, you know, up to two or three, right? So make sure you can have, because your family can't drop them off. You got to have them on. So have them on when you're, you know, getting booked in. Or you have none. Right. You have them on when you go in or you do without. If you right. don't have a pair of white cotton panties on when you go into the county jail, you're not going to have panties for if you were where I was for three or four days. No. Yep. And, and I'm just going to throw this out here. Sorry for the guys that are watching, but if you're on your cycle, that's an issue. You don't have a pair of drawers. Marcy, I'm going to, again, just be vulnerable with everybody because I'm not embarrassed about it because it wasn't my fault. When I was in Fort Bend County jail, um, they didn't give us any undergarments, like you said, for a while. Uh, and your feminine hygiene products, you had to buy from commissary. They wouldn't give it to you. Now, there's been some legislation since then, but you didn't get. So guess what? I don't have any panties on. I don't have any underwear on. And I've got that little jumpsuit, not jumpsuit, but the little, you know, ugly uniform. And I'm going to court for my arraignment. And I am holding wadded up tissue to inside of my pants with my hand. Well, now they've got to handcuff me and somebody's holding me because girl, I was out of my mind. And so I'm trying to hold this between my legs as I walk. Girl, it fell out. It fell out down my pant leg. Thank God on the way back to my cell. Right. Oh my gosh. And, and it, it wasn't one of those things where I had to sit there all day and wait for my turn. It was pretty in and out. Um, so that didn't happen in the courtroom, but right before I got to my cell and I remember I was now I was embarrassed at the time because the guard was this really pretty bougie, mean white girl. And when it fell out, she looked at me with just disgust and she goes, what the f is that? And it was like, I couldn't even explain to her because guess what? Here's something weird for two months after I got arrested, Marcy, I couldn't talk. I was so flipped out. I, people would talk to me and I, I couldn't speak. They thought that I had lost my mind. So I just stared at her. Um, but yeah, that's true. So, you know, being a woman in prison is freaking is super hard. You were in shock too. Yeah. You were in shock. Golly. Well, Daryl Peoples says, who was the coolest person you met in prison? The coolest. Gosh. Who was it? Who was who is, do you mean coolest by just like this person or do you mean famous or what do you, what do you mean in Daryl by coolest? Well, let's just answer it how we think. What, what about you, Borsi? Well, I think it's probably maybe one of these, um, like the old schools, how you would call it in prison. Maybe you say that out here, but yeah. uh, somebody that had done quite a bit of time already, she had a life sentence. Um, she, her nickname was Scorpio. So shout out to Scorpio. My Lang Murray girls know exactly who I'm talking about. And I don't know if just the way that she carried herself with such confidence, like, um, I don't know. She had a way with the way the, um, the class system kind of went where I was locked up is the longer you had been incarcerated, the more say you had. Right. So um, it, that was kind of how it, it wasn't based on anything else except for who had been there the longest. Mm -hmm. And so she, she was the person you could go to if one of the laws was saying something completely out of line and was somebody um, like going to write you a case. That's who you could go to because she could talk to the law, but she wasn't a snitch. Mm -hmm. Right. And everybody trusted her to talk to the law like it was that. So I would say I would say Scorpio. You know, I'm going to do this very because when I was thinking about it, I was like, you know, I've met some very interesting. And of course, my friends that I have now, they're 
well, obviously it's, it's Diane or Alexa, you know, and, and they're in that group. But in terms of coolest, when I think of that, there was this girl and her name was Brenda Blake. Girl, this was like 1998. And I just knew her for a year. I can still see her. She had real blonde hair like you, uh, real, real blue eyes, kind of stocky white girl, real femme. But she had this way about her that she was super relaxed and fun. She was funny as hell in that really dry sense of humor way. And she never lost her temper. Um, and she just was probably one of the coolest people I'd ever met my whole time there. I wonder what happened to her old Brenda Blake. Oh, Brenda Blake, if you hear this, uh, well, she's probably 60, 70 years old now. <laughs> I was going to say find her on social media. And then why did I just have an ageism thought thinking she's she wouldn't know how to do that? But girl, honey, that was so bad. It was bad. And it was the first thought. And I, I, checked, myself. I yeah. checked myself because she's not too old. to understand. <laughs> That's ridiculous. And I, I live with living proof. Proof, my 82-year-old grandmother is the TikTok queen. Like she's on everything. So um Taylor Baker has a great question. She is asking, why do we think these politicians keep voting against the AC bill? You guys, Texas prisons, in case you don't know, they 70% of the Texas prisons are not air conditioned. And we have been fighting legislation for it. Texas A&M did some research a couple years ago, and their research showed that prison temperatures in our living quarters where we slept and lived at ranged from 110 degrees all the way up to 149 degrees. So why are the politicians not doing anything, especially when they have all that extra money right now? Literally, quite literally, they do. Well, you know, I've, I was discussing this with um, one of those reporters maybe a week or two ago. And, uh, you know, the House, I'm going to say I was really impressed with the House because we, we had a lot of bipartisan support for the AC stuff. It was the, the House put it in their budget. Um, it was phenomenal. And we have worked really hard for years to get to that spot. Um, hardcore Republicans, you know, said during that hearing, like, I can't imagine uh, human beings trying to, it doesn't matter what they've done. My God, the Senate is where the buck stops y'all when it comes to Texas politics. It, that's just what it is. And um, the, the head of uh, the chair of the finance committee, that's where that bill went. Um, she was like, no, we're not hearing that. And um, you know, the, the Senate has made it clear that I don't care <laughs> if we have extra money, we're not air conditioning prisons. Uh, and, and I think it's because of that old mindset of it's a luxury, right? And we got to be tough and we've got all these people that need other vulnerable people that need some. We're going to give AC and comfy surroundings to, to people who are in prison. And, and I think it's just a, a maybe I don't want to say a failure, but an area that we haven't really spent a lot of time just really working with advocating in the Senate. Now, that being said. TDCJ is doing what they always do, Marcy, behind the scenes, slowly air conditioning units at their own pace, in their own way, because it has to be their idea, uh, period. And, and they don't want the lawsuit. So it's going to happen. I just don't think that our legislators want to be the ones to show that they approved it. But under behind the scenes, it is it is slowly, slowly happening. Too slow. Right. And we're just talking about it. it's about to get really hot in Texas, right? It's already started. Texas heat is a huge health risk. I'm getting all these comments. Brandon's talking about um, how you can't buy a, fa a fan at intake or transfer units. And that's like those those guys don't even have a fan, personal fan. And then Uriah's talking about he used to have to fill. He was on the top bunk. And so the top bunk, y'all, has a little lip all the way around. And he says he would fill that with water in the summer to sleep. These are some of the things that people are quite literally dealing with incarcerated right now. So, yeah, it's it's really something. So. 
that's well, a great see, I, 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 you know, I, I was watching you throw hearts and uh, maybe we can, I have a question. <laughs> you have a question. We talk all the time. You could ask me whenever. Go ahead, ask me. So, so when you got to prison, how did you learn? What was y'all's sign language like at your unit? Okay. I want to see if it's any different. Well, and I just did a video on this not very long ago because my girlfriend, I was following her. She was in her truck and we were stopped somewhere and the, her back window was open and she put her hand out her back window and signed to me. So I, I'm old school way. I don't know. Mine is spelling out the letter with my hand. And this is a, a heart. Like this is what we do in the free world as our heart in prison this is what it was. And so you could do a big if you saw somebody from way across um, or you could do small, like maybe if you just somebody was walking by, you'd be like and you were in a conversation, but you wanted to acknowledge that, hey, that's my friend walking by. I know her. I love her. And this is how I would do it. Right. Just a little heart. But I learned old school. Now, these these people coming up, they do some like <laughs> they do like you know i i was talking to some guys one time and they were like this the how did y'all sign and they were like well we learned sign language we we spelt out the alphabet and i'm like oh no we literally just drew yeah. <laughs> you know you can like you said i had to do it very slow me and my girlfriend i'd be in g dorm she'd be in h dorm and we'd be like this and I'd be like, girl, you got to write the whole letter for me in the whole window. And we'd have to do it real slow. Um, but girl, that, you know, some of them folks could be moving so fast. I was like, I don't know how you can read it that small and that fast. And see, I was fast. I was fast with it. And you would have been somebody that completely frustrated me yeah. trying to communicate with it you. It is too fast. I would have up because I wouldn't have patience for it. I've just, just done that. <laughs> yeah, you know this sign. <laughs> and I used to, I instead of like hearts that were big like this, um, my girlfriend would be like, "Do you love me?" I'd be like, "Yeah, like this, this little bitty heart." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Brandon on TikTok, he was saying that men's sign language is similar to ESL, mm -hmm. and then Brandon Y is saying with a couple of twists. So yeah. they must have put a little. Uh, <laughs> Like Tex-Mex. Like Tex-Mex, exactly. Yeah, we literally spelled it out. And if you were on, like if you were behind a cell door and there was a mesh window there, then we would be like this on the window. And it would be nonstop. Your hand would just be going. And we were trained to read it. And the officers, for the most part, couldn't. Because when you're going really fast like that, yes, they know you're spelling out a word, but their brain is not trained to read it like that because they haven't been practicing it like us. Right. But we had a couple officers, man, they knew all the gossip because they would sit in the middle of that dorm and read our conversations. And well, did yeah. you, how much did they freak out about y'all signing? Because they, oh my God, they were obsessed with lesbianism and signing on Mountain View. We didn't get too much. Now, if we got, um, if we got, around certain officers, or if you were in the chow hawk, God forbid you even waved at somebody that you mm. knew in the chapel. Yeah. You're not signing like that, but man on main street, as you're walking, that was no big deal. And I'd be walking away from my girlfriend and signing backwards. <laughs> and she'd be reading my, you know, reading, reading it. And that's just, that's how we communicated. They're asking about, um, they're laughing. Brandon says, I don't think real sign language swipes between words because <laughs> you would sign a word and then that meant next word, but it's real quick. So he's telling me in the men's prisons, they would be signing and then <laughs> next word. Um, Winona's asking about the good, the bad, and the ugly of IPTC and halfway houses. Oh, God. Um... That's a tough one. We both went there. We both had those programs. The difference, or for me at least, so COVID was happening when I went through the halfway house and through the um, IPTC in prison treatment, something, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I went through it, but we didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
COVID. So it was completely frustrating to me because here I was granted my parole, still in prison, but on parole at the same time because I had a parole officer there on the unit. It was such a weird concept. And so for me, it was not great. I'll tell you what was great that I knew I was going home. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So would I, would I have given up my parole answer not to do that? Absolutely not. But did I dread doing it while I was eligible for parole? I remember saying, I hope I don't get safe P, which Jeez. is that program. And that's what that you got. You know, I, I, uh, you know, I, I had to participate. It was actually right a year before COVID when I was there. And um, I hated it. It was horrible and um, just terrible. I did get some things out of the cognitive behavior therapy classes because um, that was with a real psychiatrist. Uh, and it's finally something that spoke to the treatment of my mental health disorder. So that helped me in an outpatient um, that did help me. But the program and the unit trash Marcy, you have put some questions in our post that we need to answer in the next oh, 10 okay. minutes. Okay. Yeah, I want you to answer it. And while you're looking that up and deciding which one to go first, I'm going to say that that IPTC, it has an aftercare. And um, even though the programming for the aftercare is so micromanaged by TDCJ that the counselors can't actually do, I had a great counselor and I had a great group of people. Mm. Mm -hmm. Right. So that the peer that going re-entering and then having that group of peers, that was phenomenal. So yeah. that was a good. So I came up with a good. <laughs> you did. Yeah, that was good. Okay, um, question. Marcy, were you attracted to women before you went to prison? <laughs> well, I um, get asked that so often. That's one of my top five questions that I get asked regularly at least a couple times a week on one of my platforms somebody's going to ask that so here's the deal guys here's the deal i've been married twice before to two men mm -hmm. and now i am living with my girlfriend that i met in prison we are in a very committed relationship completely building a life together but um, Tunch, even though I had never been in a long-term relationship with a woman prior to my incarceration, I have always been attracted to not necessarily women and not necessarily men. I really, I'm attracted to what you have inside your spirit, whatever energy you're bringing me. Um, and it's happened that, you know, both ways. So, uh, yeah, that's how that works for me. But I get asked a lot. And it's a fair question, right? Yeah. You asked me, did prison turn you gay? Well, prison can't really turn people gay, right? No, nobody can really turn you gay. Now, right. <laughs> does it make you experiment? Possibly. Do circumstances make you experiment with things that you might not otherwise? Yeah. But so, okay, good question. Yeah. So the question you had for me on that post was, has Tucci ever been in an inappropriate staff relation? Yeah. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> post. Yeah. I just wanted to know, Toonch, because I feel like, okay, you were an undercover bad girl in prison because you didn't get in trouble, but you did dirt. And I think that you kind of had, and this is my opinion, because we didn't do time together at the same place. We weren't at the same place. So what do I know? This is just my interpretation of knowing who you are now and the little tidbits you share with me about your incarceration. I feel like you might have had it inside with some of the laws. No. <laughs> yeah. Believe it or not, I have such an, <laughs> a wounded animosity towards the officers. And, and I know Miss Keene's on here and she's, she was, one of the few that I really cherished that treated me like a human. I just felt like it was such a betrayal and a disloyalty to the women around me. And I, I just never, never like, and I had a couple hit on me and come my way. And you are right about, I was, I was a bad girl, but it was very much, <laughs> I, you know, in a very, you know, different route than, than you took. Uh, but certainly we, we were the same in the sense of, you know, taking care of what we need to take care of. Um, 
but no. Now I did, I did really have two very close relations, relationships um, with some of the people that worked in the education building that I'd worked with one of those ladies for eight years. She was my boss. And I saw her as a friend and, you know, the times that one or two times when she acted like a staff member, girl, I was devastated. And I wouldn't talk to her, <laughs> I talked to her for like two or three weeks. And she's like, Toon, are you still mad at me? And, and I would be like, yeah, I am. You don't get your cake to, to eat it and have your cake too. You don't get to treat me like a friend and a coworker and then treat me like an offender. I, no. Um, you know, but I understood it was her job and it was, you know, her retirement. Um, and another lady there that was one of the, the secretaries that I just loved as a person and a friend. And she never, ever treated me like a person um, with a uniform on. So I, I guess that's as close as it got. But certainly no, no bibbity bobbity <laughs> sneaking around. I just I, I couldn't stand that kind of stuff at all. It made me angry when other people did it, not because I'm an old bitty hater, but because it's just such an imbalance of power. Yeah, I well, well, I agree, but I just felt like maybe you had a little something and not necessarily sexual, but I felt like maybe you had a little in. Uh, so thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> well, I'm full of surprises, honey. Um, Denise Scruggs is saying um, that maybe we take all of this a little bit too lightly and all of this probably meaning our prison experience. And I'll just say that this is a probably a lighter episode, right? Because this is just a Q&A and people asking us. And um, sometimes I think people might perceive that, that maybe we're taking it lightly or or even I've been accused of like, you seem proud to have been to prison. But when I'm, when we're telling stories that are putting a smile on our face and having good memories, we have good memories because there are good people in prison. So we made a lot of good memories. Right. And so that sometimes can be perceived, but honey, go catch up on some of our other episodes. And you'll right. know. Yeah. You'll yeah, know. Yeah. You don't <laughs> take things very lighthearted at all. Probably change your mind. And, and I, I, I want to add to Marcy, what you're saying is, um, you know, I had somebody one time tell me when I made a joke about going through airport security. Um, she was like, well, I, I just, I just not sure. I think it's funny because what's happening in our criminal justice system is, is bad. And I said, well, I understand I was there. <laughs> and some of the, the ways, if not the number one way that we survived was through a lot of humor and a lot of dark humor. Um, it saved our lives. Um, so, you know, that continues on. And, and I want to say this too. I earned it. I earned to take it lightly if I want to. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, it's my experience. I've, you know, paid my dues um, and I'm still learning and growing from it. So um, it's my experience to, to, to handle it how I see fit and how I feel like it's meaningful. So that's my two cents on it. What else do we, what else do we have guys? Hey, uh, Marcy, we got two minutes left, honey. And we were going to remind everybody that the podcast, now you're watching us here probably on, on YouTube or, or Facebook. Girl, we just send it everywhere. <laughs> we want to get capture everybody so everybody can enjoy. But our podcast page, profile page for Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple and stuff, if you go to the link I posted on Twitter and we'll post it other places, you can leave a voice memo anytime you want to about anything that we say, any episode, and we can play it here. So please utilize that because I think it's cool and um, it'll be a way for you to participate if you weren't able to be here live. So please do it. And we do just have a minute now, a minute left. And so we need to say that next week we won't be live, right? Because we're going to pre-record that episode because I'm going to be on an airplane during this time. Yeah. One week from now, I'm going to be on an airplane coming back from L.A., to hear. And um, so we're going to pre-record and we're actually going to record the episode 
while I'm at Rosie O'Donnell's house. So maybe fingers crossed, maybe she'll she'll hop on here with us. <laughs> so we're going to see. Uh, and then um, and then it will play at Wednesday night at seven central central time. So you guys can catch it at the same time. It just won't be live. Now, what will happen is um, if you guys ask any questions in the chat, I'll be on an airplane. I won't be available like to see it live. But we'll we'll answer afterwards. I promise we won't like leave you guys hanging. If you guys leave any questions for us, do so. Um, did we do we want to say what we were going to talk about next week? Um, I, well, it, we were going to talk about I think relationships. I think so too. Let's do it. Yeah. So, um, and we're going to try to get Rosie O'Donnell's opinions. Talking about girl on girl. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and just the whole dynamic. She's. She's very intrigued. The project that I'm working on with her, um, that question comes up with with her and with the writers. Like I had a relationship in prison that turned into a free world relationship and is long term. And she they want to know, like, how did we communicate? How did we boom chicka wow wow? Like, did that actually happen? And so these are questions that are going to be answered next week. Right. Yeah, it'll it'll be fun. We'll get to. <laughs> We should have some good stories between the two of us. Lord have mercy. I think um, so too. <laughs> Thanks everybody for hanging out. You guys are awesome. Y'all came with some great questions. We appreciate all of you. Love you all. And we will be here pre-recorded next week. Not quite live, but we'll still be here. We're not going to leave y'all hanging and we'll see you then. Wave. <laughs> <laughs>